Welcome to Egros Moshe A to Z. I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, Rosh HaYeshiva and President of Yeshivat Chalevei Torah Rabbinical School. We resume after a brief hiatus, and we pick up with the letter J for Jewish identity. And we're going to be looking at a series of Qvot relating to external markers of Jewish identity. Clothing, specifically Eastern European clothing, the kippah for men, and the issue of Jewish names. This episode, we will focus on general clothing, Eastern European clothing, and whether those who emigrated from Poland have an obligation to continue to wear such clothing. This tshuva is found in Yerdea 181, and it is from 1953. And the tshuva is headed as follows. Regarding clothes from this country, meaning America, and Medina Zo signals that America is different in a number of ways from Europe. We know that phrase in many Tuvot of Rav Moshe. And whether there's a concern, a chashashi story, even the slightest concern of a prohibition regarding clothes of non-Jews for those who have come and emigrated from Poland. Now, it's interesting that he frames this as an isur um, like there is a formal prohibition of clothing of non-Jews. No such formal prohibition exists. There is a prohibition of going in the ways of Gentiles, which might relate in certain circumstances to clothing. But it is interesting uh, framing it as, is th- as if th- this is a isur in its own terms, which reflects, at least from the questioner's perspective, as we're going to see, he's echoing the questioner's perspective, um, a sense that there might be a strict obligation to dress in a way that is distinct from the non-Jews. And here's the question. Um, he acknowledges that in America, Jews and non-Jews dress the same. One, one wonders, and actually it's known, that in many places in Europe, Jews and non-Jews also dress the same. But Jews coming from Europe to America who chose to continue to dress in a European, Eastern European style were making a statement and were clearly setting themselves apart from the larger society. So Rav Moshe says, okay, but in this country, Jews and non-Jews dress the same. And the question is, are those who have come here from Poland obligated, and the, the second generation obligated to wear the, clo- the types of clothes, the clothing style of the old country? And Rav Moshe says, even though the father who emigrated actually has stopped doing so, that might have been a prohibition, and maybe the son, this is of course the questioner's perspective, um, should be obligated to go back to the old ways, which also is fascinating, reflects an idea that the father was prepared, at least in terms of clothing, to blend in, and now the son maybe would like to uh, be a more distinct from the larger society. Now he ends this paragraph by saying, The world, the entire Jewish Orthodox community, practices permission in this regard, meaning they don't dress in a distinctive way. He wasn't dealing with the Hasidish community, and even in the Yeshivish community, people wore suits and they didn't wear clothing that was necessarily distinctive. And that's again the key word here, af yirei Hashem, meaning not just the modern Orthodox dress in a non-distinctive way, but even the Yeshivish community dresses in a way that does not set them apart from the larger society. 
Therefore, is there any substance, is there any basis to justify how come the broader Orthodox Jewish community does not see an obligation to dress the way they used to dress in the old country? So in answering this question, Rav Moshe immediately quotes the Maharik. That the Maharik says there is no such thing as this idea of of a prohibition of wearing clothes of non-Jews per se. And there's no obligation to dress in a distinctive style from that of the non-Jews. Now, what Marik is he referring to? What's the larger context here? The larger context is the prohibition of Bechukotehem, of not going in the ways of the Gentiles. Now, this prohibition appears a few times in the Gemara. I mean, it's based on a biblical verse. It appears a few times in the Gemara, and it's applied to a few cases. But the Gemara never really spells out exactly what its uh, concrete and specific parameters are. Uh, that work is left to the Rishonim. And, of course, somebody you could go in a very broad or narrow approach to this prohibition. One could understand that Bechukotehem is uh, specifically referring to things that are strongly identified with non-Jews or maybe even very specific types of activities of non-Jews. So you're not allowed to do things that are distinctively non-Jewish, and then we would have to identify what those things are. Um, An alternative is to sort of see in this prohibition a mandate to be distinct, to actively set oneself apart from the larger society. You know, am levadad yishkon. Hard to exactly see how that's in the words of don't go in their ways, but maybe that's you know, the flip side of it. Um, Of course, there is a huge gap between these two articulations. Um, um, There's the entire neutral space that exists between them. So uh, not being distinctively Jewish does not mean that one is also being distinctively non-Jewish. There is just being neither or neutral. Um, And that's the question. Can somebody um, blend into the larger society in a way that's not adopting a specifically a non-Jewish type of a practice um, or behavior or um, appearance, um, or is one obligated to actually be separate from the larger society and be distinctively Jewish? And to some degree, of course, this can be seen as a debate between Haredi and modern Orthodox society in many ways. So um, some of this tension already begins to appear in Rambam, because in Rambam, in Hilchos of Rezara, chapter 11, Halacha Aleph, first Halacha, he, in dealing with the prohibition of Bechukotehim, he articulates a very broad sense of what this mandates, or at least the ideal that is represented by this. And he says the following, You don't go in the ways of the non-Jews, and you don't appear, um, you don't act or appear in a, in a way that uh, is similar to them, neither in clothing or in, uh, in one's hair. How one appears or in other acts. Don't go in the ways of Gentiles. Lest you be ensnared by them, indicating that if one, um, you know, if one integrates too much into the larger society, integration leads to assimilation, and one is ensnared, and so on. You should not be similar to them. Now you have like an active obligation to be separate from them. You should be known in the way you dress, how you act. You should go on the street. People should say, ah, 
there's a Jew. I can tell by the way he's acting. I can tell by the way she's dressing, or by he's dressing. Um, the same way we should be distinct in our character and in our intellect. I will separate you from the nations. Rambam very clear. He sees in this at least a broad ideal, if not a strict halachic obligation, and maybe a strict halachic obligation, but to be separate from the larger society. Then, however, when he turns to the particulars, he it's more narrow. He says, Don't wear clothing that is distinctive to them. Don't wear one's hair in a way that is that is their hairstyle, which would seem to allow for the entire neutral space. But nevertheless, starting with a, a mandate of separation and of distinction. Now, um, when this gets to Shulchan Aruch, interestingly, the two sort of parts of the Rambam play themselves out within Shulchan Aruch, because the Mechaber says, don't, uh, just starts with the particulars. Don't dress in a style that's distinctive to them. Don't wear your hair in a way that's distinctive to them. And the Ramah goes back and he adds in the more broad language. He says, you should not be similar to them in any way. A Jew has to be different and separate from the non-Jewish society. And to some degree, this tracks because, of course, the Mechaber is coming from Swarti society, which is much more integrated, the Jewish community into the larger society. So he does not want to emphasize a whole um, value and um, um, vision of distinction, of separation, whereas the Ramah is coming from Ashkenazi society in which the Jews lived separate from the larger uh, non-Jewish uh, surroundings. Now, Maharit, um, who is Rav Yosef Cologne, uh, 15th century Italian posek, he wrote a tshuva that was extremely influential in terms of Rambam. And he said we should not be reading Rambam in a broad sense. Um, he read Rambam in a much narrower sense and said that the only problem with clothes of non-Jews is clothes that is, are distinctively non-Jewish and defined not just by conventions of practice, but distinctively non-Jewish because they reflect a certain type of a non-Jewish ethos, specifically mentioning uh, clothing that is not properly or fully modest. Um, he also mentions a type of a clothing that is arbitrary. Now, all clothing to some degree is arbitrary, styles and so on, but a particular way and a style or an or or article of clothing that people would say, that's weird. Why is that person doing that? That's so strange. Um, and the way Rama at least understands that is because then that presumably that might be an indicator that that comes from a pagan or a idolatrous background. Um, and therefore, clothing that both in practice Jews don't wear because they see it as non-Jewish clothing and because it is um, uh, coming from a non-Jewish ethos, that, he said, is the non-Jewish, is the clothing of non-Jews. That's the problem of Bechukotehem, stuff that's not just by convention not Jewish, but that is like deeply non-Jewish in what the values that it expresses. This is the Maharik's position about clothing and in general about Bechukotehem, and this is quoted by Ramah, so it's interesting. The same Ramah that puts out the broader vision of Rambam to be separate and distinct at the end also recognizes some of the that the concrete applications might just be don't do stuff that's very you know, like you know blatantly non-Jewish um, and um, and of those ethos uh, the grub pushes back and says that that might that might be a broader definition so back and forth you have this question of what is the degree of this separation and distinction that this idea of Bukhukotehem requires of us and really what is the neutral space and how much is it only stuff that's deeply problematic or anything that we identify as part of the larger non-Jewish world. So with this background, Rav Moshe comes to address the questioner, and he says, look, 
The Marik writes that there's no real problem with non-Jewish clothing. It's only of a particular type, stuff that's about not being modest, and he also adds this issue about things that are arbitrary. Now, he goes on to say that the arbitrary aspect is, might not be the way the Ramah understood it. He said, Why? So here he actually says, which might be a better read of the Marik against the Ramah, that it's not because of a concern of pagan origins, although elsewhere of Moshe embraces the Ramah's read of the Marik. The reason that bizarre things are a problem are because why else would you be dressing in this bizarre way if not because you want to be like non-Jews? So this desire, the fact that it's not just a norm and a convention and the larger societal realities of how people dress, but that by doing this, it's a way of demonstrating a desire to be more like non-Jews, integrated into the society. That really raises the whole, presumably, assimilation specter. And that, he says, is, is, the, is the problem of that type of clothing. Um, and then he acknowledges that there's also the Ramaz position, and there could be a case where you know it's not about being idolatrous, but still it's very bizarre and according to his read of the Marika, it would be forbidden. Like if all when people started, you know, do having shocks of blue hair. So and you know your kid wants to wear his hair that way. It's like you're just trying to be like them, just trying to be like the non-Jews. That's the problem of Bihukotehem. There's no logic behind it. Um, so that for Rav Moshe says is the prohibition, something that is distinctively non-Jewish, very much in terms of its ethos, according to the Maharik, or because of this clear sense of desire to be like them. And then he acknowledges that there's another criteria in the Maharik, that if it's done for a reasonable purpose, it's allowed. Um, and a reasonable purpose, the Marik's case, was that a doctor would wear a type of a cloak and a garment that would show he's a dark doctor. That's a little bizarre why you're wearing, going around wearing a stethoscope around your neck or wearing a cloak, but it shows everybody um, what role that you're playing in society. It's not about trying to be like the non-Jews. So for Rav Moshe, it boils down to a problem of clothing that either smacks of non-Jewish values or that by wearing it and dressing in that way smacks of a desire to um, to assimilate or to aspire to um, what is being represented by the non-Jewish society. And therefore, Rav Moshe says, There's not even the slightest scintilla of a prohibition in the normal clothing that's worn in this country. Even though this is it's also the clothing of non-Jews, there's no issue of idolatry that might be there. Nothing that is bizarre about it. It's just standard clothing. Um, people just wear this because this is the style. It's interesting to note at this point that he doesn't mention that maybe the clothing is a little less tsanua, a little less modest. He'll get to that in a minute. But his basic point is, this is just standard clothing. And therefore, following the Mahari quoted by the Ramad, this should not be a problem at all. And then he goes even further, and he says, And besides which, this whole question doesn't make sense. Why? Almost the entire Jewish people, presumably the entire Frum community, wears these clothing. And therefore what? What makes you frame it like, oh, the Jews have adopted the non-Jewish clothing? 
דלא נקבע כלל מתחילה לנחרים, ואחר גם לישראלים, דה מתחילה הנאזו גם לישראלים. says Jews and non-Jews have been living in society together, and these norms of clothing are part of how society as a whole, Jewish and non-Jewish, you know, change and adopt and evolve and so on. And these are equally Jewish and non-Jewish clothing. So it's a fascinating statement. You know, one could say it's, oh my God, look at the degree of assimilation. He's assuming that the Jews are part of the larger non-Jewish society, but that is the reality. And he's saying that the clothing is accurately not described as non-Jewish clothing adopted by, non, by, by Jews, but it's not a problem because it doesn't smack of being not Jewish. No, the accurate assessment is this is just the clothing that everybody wears. So how can you call it non-Jewish clothing? You know, the irony in all of this is that if you look in any picture of Rav Moshe, he is still wearing very distinctively Jewish or Eastern European clothing. But nevertheless, he is not in any way saying as a halachic point of view that there is any obligation in terms of that and that we should somehow see that as the only acceptable Jewish clothing. And therefore he says, we mentioned the Gerah earlier, even according to the Gerah who says that it doesn't have to smack of a non-Jewish ethos of idolatry or immodesty, anything that is distinctively not Jewish um, is a prohibition. Rav Moshe says this is not distinctively not Jewish. This is just the norms of society. Um, and then he goes on to uh, say, that, you know what, so let me tell you, those that are emigrating and have come from Poland to here, they can wear these clothes. There's no prohibition at all, not the slightest problem. And here's the amazing line, you are not giving up your Jewish clothes in order to wear the non-Jewish clothes of America. You are changing from your Jewish Eastern European clothes to your Jewish American clothes. Um, and this is the reality of how Jews in America dress. Now, this is an amazing statement. Again, here's somebody who dresses in a distinctive way, who lives in a pretty set, you know, uh, uh, community that's pretty much set apart from the larger society. And nevertheless, he is saying, as a halachic matter, we have to look at the broader Jewish community, and this is not an issue of non-Jewish clothing. Um, and what's really even fascinating is he doesn't even, like, articulate an ideal of being separate. Um, why not cite the beginning of Rambam? Why not say, yes, I, you should be striving for this, but we shouldn't be criticizing those who don't. No, Rav Moshe seems to be saying, listen, buddy, you're here in America, dress like an American, that is fine. You do not need to maintain a distinctive style of dress in order to set you apart. Don't argue this from a halachic perspective. And he even seems to be saying, uh, don't even try to argue it from a hashkafic one by just out of silence, not giving any voice to that and not, um, and not citing Rambam. Now, he does continue and acknowledge that maybe this clothing is a little bit more modest than um, the American clothing. It's certainly much thicker. Um, depends what type of American clothing. You know, some can be immodest, but others maybe are not immodest, but they're not so long and thick and so on as the Eastern European clothing. Should that be a factor or not? And he says, look, there might be something he calls zihirut yetera, a super scrupulousness that might want to make you do that, and fine if you want to, 
But he says there is absolutely no obligation because at the end of the day, if the clothes are not themselves immodest, even if they're not heavy and long and so on, um, there is no need to be avoiding them. And he says, There's not not licentiousness, immodesty, and you are here to settle. You're moving to America. You're living in America. Even though it is, maybe you would say, as a minhag, it's not, it's lenient, it's not as strict. But you know what? That is actually, you're living here now and you can practice and live as an American or you to choose to want to do so. Certainly, halachically, you are totally allowed. Then he goes on to discuss some aspects about minhagim, about minhagav makom as opposed to minhagav parents. And he actually makes a fascinating point that if a whole place doesn't relocate, but slowly people emigrate from a place, then as they're emigrating bit by bit and integrating into the new society, they become members of the new society. So you can't say, even if at the end of the day, a majority of a place's population has moved, that they are still the community of the old place because they actually have, bit by bit, been integrated into society and they have to own their new identity as members of their new society. And then he goes even further, and this is really significant because it speaks to this issue of not only what we've been dealing with, which is a question of degree of integration, separation, and so on, but how much all of the old practices are revered and canonized and made as something that can't be given up and so on. And Rav Moshe says, look, I've been discussing treating this as a minhag and saying, look, you're in a new place, you can adopt new minhagim. But there's a real serious question whether you talk about clothing style as a minhag. It's not a religious practice. And this is, again, fascinating because some more, you know, Hasidic or Haredi communities treat the whole style of dress almost as a type of a religious practice. But Rav Moshe says, this isn't a real minhag. This is just the way you were dressing. There's no real like halachic ritual meaning or you're trying to protect against some sin. Now, some might say you're trying to against protect the sin of sliding and being part of a larger society and that'll lead you astray. But if Moshe says at the end of the day, it's a style of dress and you can't call that a religious minhag. Again, fascinating for some people, dress might be the most important sort of form of religious practice and ritual and expression and so on. Um, but so if Moshe says, don't start talking to me about minhagim and switching minhagim and so on. And then he finally concludes by saying, but look, if you're talking about real clothes that are really not modest, okay, those you shouldn't be wearing because they're immodest. Whether those are also issues of clothes of non-Jews and bechukoteim and so on, we can debate because, again, how much is that distinctively not Jewish? But at the end of the day, those you shouldn't be wearing because they're immodest. So in this tshuva, sober technical analysis, so many other values and policy issues could have come to play here. Um, minimally about speaking about how we should ideally be striving for separation and for sort of not overly integrating into outside society. He does not say that at all, not a hint of that, quite the opposite. You're now here, you're living here. Don't call this a minhag, don't call this a religious practice. There is absolutely no halachic problem of dressing like the surrounding society. Don't even call it a non-Jewish form of dress. Um, maybe there's a slight zihirut because of concerns of tzniyut and so on to dress in this heavier style. But at the end of the day, you look, you're living here. It's totally we, fine. We should not criticize anybody. And again, what's even fascinating is that he doesn't always say we should criticize, but that we should not, it does, doesn't even lay out a sense of a ideal of separation, 
um, and particularly fascinating given Rav Moshe's own community um, and his own style um, of dress. So in other tshuvas, we've said Rav Moshe clearly wasn't a modern Orthodox posek in terms of um, attitudes of education and co-education and similar issues. But in this tshuva, you'd be hard to find anything about this that would speak of a more yeshivish ethos, and it seems to be a completely modern Orthodox approach or, or ethos, um, and at the end of the day, it emerged from a just rigorous approach to halacha and not bringing in other considerations and being okay with uh, dressing and being in a way in which one integrates in the larger society. And we will continue to explore this in uh, other two votes relating to the wearing of kippah and to the question of Jewish names. Thanks for listening to Igris Moshe A to Z with Rabbi Dov Linzer. This podcast is brought to you three times a week by Shivat Chovevei Torah. Don't forget to subscribe and check out yctorah.org to learn more.